0: It's the the M&S Monthly Podcast Podcast Show for everything business and entrepreneurship and the best best business tips and secrets with your hosts, Michael and Simon.
1: On today's M&S Monthly Podcast Show, we are going to be speaking about coaching versus mentoring. So let's kick this show right off right now with asking the first question and getting into this podcast. So I have with me, Simon Teague. He is a coach, but I want to ask Simon this. Why can we name so many visionary entrepreneurs in the US? The likes of Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. But in the UK, we can't name too many. Why do you think that is?
0: I think they have a very different culture in the U- in the US, don't they, Michael? You know, it, it's almost seems to be cool to have a shrink and uh, everybody seems to have a coach. It's almost you know, you're almost a strange person if you don't have a coach in the US. But in the UK, I think we're catching up with them. There's more and more people who are now seeing the power of coaching and mentoring and they're not and and they're beginning to realize you know we don't have all the answers do we we just don't have all the answers as entrepreneurs Uh, but we can learn from others i think in the us maybe they just got there that little bit quicker and when you look at the likes of elon musk and bill gates um, in fact there's a video clip on youtube of bill gates where he says everyone needs a coach and he's a strong advocate of coaching in all the different disciplines in life, you know, from business coaching to life coaching to health and fitness and well-being. And that's the culture that they have there in the US. But I think we're catching them up. You know, we we have got some great coaches and mentors in the UK, uh, some great programs developing and The UK Scale-Up Institute very interestingly produced a report. It was 2019 now because we we don't have any reports back yet from last year because of COVID. And their definition of scale-up is growth by 20% or more in in a year. And what was quite interesting about that report was they highlighted that all of those businesses had a mentor or a coach or both. And that was the consistent factor that those business owners, entrepreneurs, boards of directors had decided to get external help and support.
1: You know, certainly from my perspective, when I was a keen athlete at a young, very young age, I always had a coach with me every Tuesday night, every Thursday night and every Sunday morning. And I think it's the norm. And I also think that Mo Farah, who win? Who is exceptional with all the gold medals he's ever won? Although he's a one-man show on the track or on the road, I know without a shadow of a doubt that he has a whole team of people behind him. But in business, I think this is a new thing, because certainly when I started out in business, you, you're right in what you say. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know the. Uh, I didn't have all the tools in my toolbox to help me along the way. And I have to say at the very beginning, it was a bit of a fumbling buffoon trying to work it all out. And I know I couldn't work it out at that time, but it did take a hell of a lot of time to get all my tools in the box to make the business I was running that time highly successful, highly profitable and understanding what needed to go on in the background to make the biggest impact. Yeah.
0: So why is this a new thing for British business right now? Well, I think for British business, we've experienced change on an unprecedented scale. Not only have we got the impact of the coronavirus, but it's a double whammy with Brexit. uh, And it's just so challenging. And, And also we're trading on a global scale typically and traditionally britain has been a cottage industry business you know many many businesses are just very small micro businesses in fact i think of the 5.2 million businesses that are registered at companies house something like 4.6 million of them are one-man bands are micro businesses So just shows you the huge scale of this cottage industry uh, type of nation that we have in, in, in business. But businesses are growing and where they do grow, they do need help and they need support and insights. And, you know, we can avoid all the costly errors and mistakes that we make in business with the help and support of others.
1: I think that really goes down and aligns with only 1% of all UK business turns over more than £1 million per year. But what, do, what is your definition of this cottage business industry you mentioned just then?
0: Yes, just the simple fact that many of us that start out in business in the UK, you know, we start on our own and we're, we're trading on our own. And I suppose we survive for the first four years. Again, statistics show that three out of four businesses in the UK fail in the first four years. That's either because the owners give up and go back and get employment, or literally the business goes bust in that time. Um, but but we're fighters at the same time, and you know there are still people setting up businesses today. I think in the last six months. There's been more startups than any other time in the UK's trading history, which is, you know, indicative of people losing their job and deciding to start up a business with something that they're passionate about. And, you know, the the business, when it starts to uh, grow roots then it has the opportunity to expand. But it's a tough decision to make, isn't it? When you're a business owner and you're on your own and your big, big decision is to take on that first employee, you know, because it's a minefield in employment and employment law and people are very nervous, I think, of taking that first step. But there's lots of support out there now for that as well. So I'd encourage people. So what do you do first? Take on your first employee or
1: take on a coach
0: wow what a good question michael i think i would link it back to sports and your analogy uh, your your story of you know running the track and the fact that if you're wanting to be a highly successful athlete you start with a coach without that coach giving you the groundwork you can't grow in the way you want to grow you know, there's, there's a limit to your success. And I'd encourage business owners, you know, if they even if they're just starting up to get a coach, to have a coach or to join a coaching network or a peer group network. Or this is the benefit of joining things like Chambers of Commerce or the FSB or the IOD, because you start then to surround yourself with like minded people and you can receive coaching, mentoring, support. Uh, training from all within these kind of organizations and I think that's where as 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 a nation we are developing really well with organizations like that so what should you be looking for you should be looking for a coach who has a really good track record Um, a coach that delivers real tangible results that isn't afraid to put his current clients in front of you so you can speak to them. Uh, and find out what it is that he or she uh, does, what their niche is, perhaps what, what's special about them. And I think you know, there, there are many, many people out there that call themselves a coach. And I think that's a minefield in itself, but you're looking for coaches with good qualifications and a good track record, and a good good solid range of testimonials in the area that you're looking for coaching. So when you say a track record, how do you
1: establish what track record they have?
0: Well, I you know I like platforms now like LinkedIn. I think they're very transparent. So you can see on LinkedIn, you know, on my LinkedIn, for example, it's very nice when people endorse me, um, when they recommend me, and when they actually put a testimonial on my LinkedIn. Of course, I'll have a website. Um, But really, I've put that website together, you know, whereas LinkedIn, it has to be. It's really a um, a collaboration of what lots of people have put together, what they've said about me. And I think that's probably a good place to start. But ultimately, the best way to start or the best way to look at it is to when you speak to that coach is to ask them if you can speak to one or two of their clients. And that's that's a real it will give you a real insight. Uh, especially if the coach says no. So we started this podcast today asking the question:
1: coaching versus mentoring. We've highlighted a little bit about coaching, but what's the definition of a mentoring agreement with someone?
0: Okay, so for me, well, let's start by asking that question: what's the difference between a coach and a mentor? Okay. Now, I'm sure different people have different opinions on that. So I'm I'm sharing my opinion. Okay, for me, that's all um, you've got. That's all I've got, Michael. (laughs) Um, For me, a mentor is someone that I would go to because they've already travelled my journey. You know, I see them as a highly successful entrepreneur. They're running a much bigger company than mine. It's where I want to get to. They may or may not be in the same industry as me um, but I really admire what they've achieved. And as a, as a mentee it's often me that would make the approach that would you know talk to the to talk to that person and ask if they would mentor me. And I, as mentee, it's me that's setting the agenda. And it's me that's creating that relationship. And it's me that's asking the questions of the mentor. Tell me how you did this, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas the relationship with coach and coachee is different in the sense that, um, yes, as the coachee, I'm still seeking the coach, but I'm seeking a coach to help me to become better, um, more skillful. Uh, to to develop if you like and to help me to create a plan for where I want my life to be or my business to be but more importantly to hold me accountable and the way that that works with the coach is it's the coach that asks me the questions yeah they're the ones that are challenging me holding me accountable to my plan so to recap i see the relationship as mentor mentee it's the mentee asking the questions of the mentor and coachy and coach it's the coach asking the questions of the coachee so that relationship is the mentee asks the questions of the mentor but the coach is the one that asks the questions of the coachee And and in this scenario, the mentee and the coachee are the same person.
1: So how does the personalities of the individuals affect the relationship?
0: Well, I think that the coach and coachee relationship can really develop into something special over time. You know, uh, I've often seen coaches and coachees become really good friends over a period of time. Uh, And and for me, the coaching relationship can be very long standing. You know, it can can last a long time. People might have a different opinion on this. Um, But whereas with the mentor mentee, I'm often, you know, when I'm seeking a mentor anyway, it might be because I've got some specific challenges and I really want to understand how they overcame them. And once I've got that knowledge and I've extracted it from them, that's the job done you know that's i I almost don't necessarily need that relationship with that mentor anymore i think it's different in peer groups and and i'm sure we're going to come on to peer groups in our discussion michael but i think peer groups create a really good opportunity for in-house mentoring you know if you were to join 10 other businesses and be a mentor and a mentee in that group you know you're helping those nine other companies but at the same time they're acting almost like a board of directors for your business then that's a that can be a very powerful mentoring style relationship which can last longer
1: yes we will come on to the peer group the mentoring group but i just want to ask you this question in a mentoring relationship are they best paid for Or best free fee based.
0: Well, again, I'm going to share my opinion on this, and it's very much that I see that relationship as mentee because I'm a mentee, and I have a mentor. Um, We don't pay for that. We it's it's almost like uh, the mentor is often the person giving back. You know, the mentor looks at me and says, "I used to be where you are." And I don't want you to make the same mistakes. I'd love to be able to help you. And I'm going to do that out of the goodness of my heart or I'm going to pay something back because maybe that person had a mentor as well at some point and extracted that information from them. Um, So that's how I see that. I would just add for a second, though, that mentors don't have to be alive. You know, I view people like Jim Rowan as my mentor because I listen to what he he, I listen to his material. I read his books. I think it's a great way of being mentored because I'm learning from him about how I can make him um, make changes improvements in my life. Uh, And I'm extracting that information. You could argue that I'm paying for that because I'm probably buying his books buying his programs. But uh, I think that's another way of looking at mentoring.
1: So if someone's looking for a coach or a mentor, what's the first thing they should start doing?
0: Well, the first thing you should start doing is understand what would you want a coach or mentor for. Sit down, write down, write out you know what are your top three challenges right now? Uh, what do you know and what don't you know if you, if you can establish that or you know do you have certain questions you can't answer? certain solutions that just are eluding you um and then then you've got to decide you know uh, is this a big issue is it a long-term issue uh, where would i be best place to go you know would would, would uh, finding a mentor help me right now is my business in that place i i often look at it um from the perspective that i suppose one of the questions you could ask is how much do i want to grow my business because if you're turning over a 100,000 pounds for example uh, and you want to grow your business to you know let's say you want to double it over the next couple of years to 200,000 pounds you're not going to be knocking on alan sugar's door for, for mentoring advice and support because you know you just you're just not good, he's not going to answer your call but if you were you know, growing your business from 10 million to 20 million to 50 million to 100 million, uh, and you're really looking to get onto into the stock market, that kind of thing, you'd be maybe knocking on someone like Alan Sugar's door. So I think it's about knowing where you're at and understanding it. How much do I want to grow my business? Because we're talking about businesses here, right? Um, And then deciding, you know, who would I go and speak to? And actually, if you're looking to grow your business by 20% per annum, which is the definition of a scale up, according to the scale up Institute, the best place to start is with a coach, because you need to have some groundwork in place, you need to have a really good plan. And you need to understand what um, being held accountable to that plan is uh, before you really start moving into the, the next level of getting extra knowledge from mentors maybe so my my recommendation if you're new to this in terms of trying to decide do i have a coach do i have a mentor i would always start with a coach let's get a plan in place and get going
1: so let me take you back to an earlier point you mentioned and you said that before you start employing your first member of staff take on the coach yes and that is a time when you're not generating any income so do you go
0: against
1: that perspective now
0: and change your last statement no 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 i'm sticking with start with the coach yeah i'm sure that's what i said in my last statement <laughs> but i'm i'm referring
1: to straight out of the gate before you employ your first member of staff yeah you take on a coach and that implies to me, before you're generating much income, please explain to our listeners your definition of that statement.
0: Yeah, OK. Money is always going to be the challenge for any startup or new business and in, and where they invest their money. You know, I think the challenge uh, for UK businesses compared to US businesses, going back to the start of our conversation, is what tends to happen in the u.s is before people start businesses they they establish what level of capital they're going to need to really get going and they're they're usually better invested now in the uk we start with you know a pound in our pocket and we start off a business whereas we all know that the reality of starting off a business is that you need to invest and and if you're to stand a really good chance of success You need a budget for marketing, you need a budget for advertising, you need a budget for potential new staff, you need a budget for a coach. Without that, um, then it's a long haul. You know, maybe that's why three out of four businesses fail in the UK, because at the startup phase, most of those businesses don't have a coach, haven't sought any help and advice, uh, and they're making the wrong decisions. So I think, you know, you're right. People are going to be nervous because they're going to think, you know, I don't have much money right now. And I I can't afford a coach. The reality is you can't afford not to have one. Your business is at risk if you're making the wrong decisions. If you're trying to go it alone. We all know it's a very lonely place sometimes being an entrepreneur. So I believe it's essential If you want to make the Olympics, you start with a coach. And on that note, Simon, let's take a short break. In part two, we
1: are going to come back and we're going to talk about peer group mentoring and the likes of Henry Ford and Andrew Carnegie. How many people do you think they had in their mentoring group? And look what they went on to achieve in their career
0: we will be back if you're starting a business or you're quite new to business just like if you wanted to be an olympic athlete you must start with a coach and i would say that's why so many business fail
1: in the first three to five years and we are back for the mns monthly podcast show we are not Just any old podcast show. We're talking about coaching versus mentoring. And in the first half, we spoke about the difference between the coach and the mentor. But in part two, we're going to go into another area of coaching. And that is peer-to-peer mentoring. So it's not one-to-one. It's a group of like-minded individuals who are sharing their best practice, their best models, and giving the entrepreneurs, the visionaries of tomorrow, a different perspective in their business journey. So Simon, how many people do you think should be in your ideal mentoring group?
0: Michael, I've seen a number of mentoring groups That have worked really well. And it's a really difficult question to ask and answer that um, because, you know, you and I do quite a lot of mentoring together. Yeah, we'll go for a walk across the South Downs, we'll really chew the cud over some issues. Um, You'll have some great solutions and answers for me to go away and think about, and vice versa. And I think, you know, mentoring can just be one on one and it can be very, very effective. But a mentoring group, wow. Well, I know that to Andrew Carnegie, who was the world's richest man, wasn't he, in the 1930s, he, I, I can't remember the exact number, I'm sure you've got it, but he had dozens and dozens of people, I think, in his mentoring group. He had 59 people in his
1: mentoring group, people like Henry Ford were in there amongst others
0: you know that's that's a big group of people and again they're all like-minded people the henry fords of the day i think thomas edison was in there and alexander graham bell and people like that household names in a in a sense um but you know i've seen really good peer group work taking place with the government's new initiative which is called peer-to-peer network and that's where we get between eight and 11 companies together, all like-minded, not competing with each other, all from different industries and sectors uh, and different business sizes as well. So anything from five employees up to 250 employees. So you mentioned eight to 11, does that mean eight to 11 people or businesses? That's eight to 11 businesses. Uh, I would I would say. But in in the main, um, it's usually the owner or the owners of that business that are in the mix. So there could be at least 20 people. Potentially, although I've I've seen it work better, actually, where, um, you know, let's say you've got two directors of a company, one directors in one peer group and another directors in a totally different peer group and they're both getting very different perspectives and insights. So when they come back together, they're able to share you know, what they've discussed in each of their separate peer groups. And I think that can be quite powerful. I think because if they're both in the same peer group, you know, there's a potential of watering down what they might benefit from.
1: So what does the peer group actually look like and how long does it last for? Each week or each month or quarterly?
0: Yeah, I think it should be structured. Uh, I like the idea of meeting every month. And the wonders of modern technology now are that you could be in a peer group that's all over the UK, but you join on Zoom on the first Monday of every month, for example. So I I think, you know, the world now enables us to run peer groups in a very, very effective way. And I'd really encourage people to look into the, the UK governments um, peer-to-peer network uh, which is running at the moment but they're looking to expand that from April onwards so find out in your area who's running it put your name down um, and get registered if there's a registration process in your area certainly in Kent I know there is and uh, I would encourage people to look at it because it's I think it's a brilliant way of bringing people together you know it doesn't matter what business you have, we all seem to face the same challenges you know whether a retail business or a manufacturing business if we're taking on that first employee it's the same challenge how do i train them how do i look after them how do i make sure they're going to do a good job for me etc etc what what does employment law tell you etc etc and then when you're going you know um, on and taking on your your 10th employee or your 20th employee, now you've got to start to create management structures. In fact, once you get past 14 or 15 employees, you find you're having to start to recruit people just to cover holidays, so that you're bringing people in that are not even effective for your business, they're just covering the gaps that have been created. And then as you go on from 20 to 30 to 50 employees, there's all sorts of management challenges and management layers you need to start building. So um, you can learn from people in your peer group what they've been through if your peer group is very nicely balanced with larger and smaller businesses.
1: So if someone was starting their business journey right now, and they were deciding to take on that first employee, What you're saying is stop, recruit your first coach and build a networking group where you get a power network of best guidance, best advice to power you on through that doldrum of the first three to five years where people either succeed or fail. What should that process actually look
0: like? Well, if I could just go back to the employee decision, uh, I think you're right to say just stop for a minute before you do it. Um, You know, you might be able to speak to a coach uh, and get some input uh, at the start of a coaching relationship to get a view. Um, But but if you're part of a peer network as well, you'll also have the opportunity to get their views. Because sometimes you might you might find you don't need that employee you might find that rather than employ someone you can find the skills and the and the capacity to do that work by um outsourcing and again you know we can outsource globally now we could have someone in the philippines typing up our notes from a meeting you know we can have somebody in america doing our marketing we, we could, you know, there's the, it's a global business world and we should take advantage of that. Stay lean and make sure that you've got experts helping you to grow your business.
1: Are you saying, therefore, don't take on your first employee but take on, as a freelancer, a coach instead?
0: I would say that. I definitely would say that. Of course I would, because I'm a coach. (laughs) Um, It's not a cut and dry decision, of course, because it will all depend on finance and where you stand with your business and funding. But, you know, I've seen businesses that have taken on that first employee and it's been a huge mistake. The cost of getting employment wrong is enormous, both in time and money. And it might seem like an unnecessary expense to take a coach on. But actually, that could give you a huge return on investment because you'll start to make more um, informed decisions, you know, because when we start up in business, I don't know about you, Michael, but when I started up in business, I was an amateur and I made lots of mistakes. Costly mistakes, very costly. Both on my time, on my money, on my reputation, on my sleepless nights, you know? And I think a lot of these things can be avoided if we make the wise decision to invest our time and money in getting some kind of coaching or mentoring input.
1: So let me ask you this question If people are deciding whether to take on a coach instead of an employee, do you think that people should join a peer-to-peer group instead of taking on a coach or recruiting their first member
0: of staff? Good question. Michael, everybody's in a different place, you know, and I wouldn't actually advise on this at this point. What I would say is it's got to be what's right for you. And it might be right for someone to sign up and join a peer group first, before taking on a coach. And with other people, it might be take on the coach before you join the peer group. For others, it might be do both at the same time. What we do know is that most businesses don't do anything. They don't take on a coach. They don't join a mentoring group. They don't get the benefit of that external input. They, they, they suffer like I suffered in the first few years of business, being very lonely, making the wrong decisions, costing me lots of money. And um, you eventually either give up or you persevere. And there were many years I look back on and think, well, I, I'm here because I persevered. But with hindsight, I wished I'd have got a bit of advice, a bit of support. So we've spoken about coaching and mentoring quite a lot today. Let's talk
1: about the peer group and the mastermind group. Some people say mastermind group is the same thing as a peer group. What typically are you looking for when you enter a peer group?
0: Well, you're looking for people in the peer group um, that are like-minded to you. Uh, for me, a peer group is there's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. And it's, I believe it's also the same as a mastermind group. Okay, so we're not we're not going off on a tangent. Let's put it in the mix. Uh, It's a very interesting dynamic in the sense that if I join a peer group, my number one motivation needs to be that I'm there to help those other businesses. In return, I'll get lots of help and input from those company directors as well. But my number one motivation should be about helping them not going there for my benefit. And I think that that gets wrong in people's mind. You know, it's it's very similar to Toastmasters. Michael, you and I were at Toastmasters for quite a number of years. And, you know, it can be that our motivation to go to Toastmasters is because we want to be better. Of course, we want to improve our communication and our presentation skills. But actually, the people that thrive in Toastmasters are the people that go there with the mindset that they're there to help all the other people become better communicators and better presenters.
1: As we both know, Jim Rohn says, help others get what they want and you can have everything that you want. And I do actually agree with that 100%. But I find all too often when you go into a mentoring group, too many people like the sound of their own voice
0: yeah yeah and too many people are there for the wrong reasons so i think that's really important that you make sure if you've gone into a peer group and it's just not the right dynamic for you come out of it yeah because and or, and start small maybe with two or three people around you and build build your own peer group and set the ground rules and have like-minded people helping and supporting you along the way.
1: You spoke about this earlier, Simon, about you and I going on these splendid walks on the South Downs Way. And to all our listeners, if you want to take a great 12 days out of your diary, why not go and walk and talk and build your very own mentoring group with someone you know, maybe in business, maybe an employee, and just go and share the journey. The best thing I've learned during lockdown is walking and talking. It's amazing when you free up your mind in a natural, earthy earthy environment, what really can happen and where your discussion goes. Both Simon and myself have been on some amazing holidays to Thailand. We've cycled around Europe. And some of the most unexpected locations, we've had some of the best conversations that for me have changed my direction in life. So you don't need 20 people. You don't need 49 people or 59 people like some of the biggest mentoring groups around the world. Just start with two and let the conversation flow. And certainly, our conversation, our topics, our ideas just come alive. We call this being an accountability partner. Not peer, not coach, not mentor. Accountability. I keep Simon on track. He keeps me on track. And we move our cheese forward each and every day and what is quite amazing is how much of our conversations do become reality and that is the name of the game absolutely and on that note we are going to end our session today on coaching versus mentoring
0: You've been listening to Michael and Simon. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and follow us to hear the best tips and secrets.